Welcome to Living Digital, the digital transformation in energy podcast series brought to you by Schlumberger. My name is Richard Jebb and I'm communications manager in our digital and integration division. We produce this series so you can hear the hottest topics and the leading tech discussed by geoscientists, petrotechnical professionals, industry executives, data scientists and many of our industry partners. What you will hear today is a special edition of Living Digital called Digital Leadership Expanding the Boundaries. We brought together executives from some of the organizations we work in partnership with. So you will hear speakers from Chevron, ConocoPhillips, Microsoft, IBM and Schlumberger participating in a virtual panel discussion on partnering to accelerate digital transformation in the energy industry. The panel discussion was recorded for our online conference in October 2020 with Ethna Trainer as moderator. So without further ado, let's hand over to Ethna and our expert panel now. Hello there, I'm Ethna Trainer, and a very, very warm welcome to you to this panel discussion. We're going to be looking at partnering to accelerate the digital transformation in the energy sector. And joining me now is Rajiv Santalia. Great to have you here, Rajiv, President of Digital and Integration at Slumberjay. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by our cross-industry panelists who've also taken the time to join us virtually, of course. I'm thrilled that they're all here from ConocoPhillips. Michael Shirk joins us. Good to see you, Michael. Kevin Chambers is with us from Chevron. Um, Kevin is here, of course, from IBM. We have Manish uh, Chavla, who is with us from Microsoft, Daryl Willis. So this is our lineup for the day. And I'm really excited. We're going to spend the next hour really talking about the value of partnership, how it's working, um, the, the great results actually that's coming from it. But uh, you're going to hear a lot of our key players actually share their experience with you and just let you know what has been happening, particularly in the past year. But again, a lot of great opportunities as we look towards the future and we look at collaboration in this industry and we see how it's working for everybody and indeed how it can work for you. If I might um, manage, I'd like to come to you, or forgive me, Rajiv, I'd like to come to you because I want you to give me a little bit of a, an overview in terms of the importance of digitalization, of what it has all meant. And indeed, I think the journey that Slumberia has been on, particularly the journey of openness, that indeed has brought this panel together because we have quite a lot of competitors on this panel. So we're thrilled that everybody is here for this very special panel. So if Rajiv, I can come to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Edna. Thanks for the introduction. And I'd like to thank everyone in this call for joining us for this live uh, panel discussion. Um, it is, of course, you know, a, a, a very different time for the, for the industry and for the world. And, and uh, where we've all had to work from home. And if it wasn't for digital technologies as we see them today, we wouldn't have been able to have this conference a few years ago. So I think, I think digital has changed the way we think about the future, the way we conduct business today. And I think it's, it's now a, a much bigger part of our everyday lives. Of course, when it comes to our industry, there's a lot of proof points about how digital has has transformed the industry and how it's picked up pace over the last few months uh, in particular. Um, uh, Michael, uh, you will probably know that we've worked very closely with you uh, throughout this pandemic to, to deploy petrol on the cloud for ConocoPhillips. It was something we were going to deploy uh, in person uh, across, across your operations. But when the, when the pandemic hit us, we didn't have the option but to go uh, remote in terms of in, this, in terms of this journey. And obviously uh, we were quite successful at it as, 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 you, as you know. So I'm quite happy that the compelling event created something that we wouldn't have been able to even think about doing before. And then when it comes to, to field operations, I think digital has really changed the way the world operates. You know, a lot of our people, they travel back and forth from their homes to the weather sites and with all the travel restrictions in place during COVID, we had to find a new way to keep, keep the drill bit going. And one of the ways we did was remote operations. So remote operations absolutely accelerated through the pandemic. We increased remote ops by almost 25% from just from Q2 to Q3. And the journey keeps continuing to, to grow as we speak. And not just that, I think the other area where we, we we saw uh, a huge transformation in field operations was, was on digital drilling and digital auto, and drilling automation. Um, in Saudi, 
where we have about a 20 rig project. We've now successfully piloted two rigs to drill automatically. And that's enabled us to, to not only beat the technical limit, but consistently beat the technical limit in terms of our performance and reduce our risk uh, while drilling uh, these wells. And the way we measure risk is obviously, is obviously stuck pipe. And we reduce our stuck pipe uh, risk by almost 50% in these operations. So digital has, has compelled us to work collaboratively, collaboratively in the field or on the rigs, as the case may be. I've been talking to you for, for many years of the great work that Slumberjay is doing. And, you know, you just look at what has happened in the last year and it's almost like everything was put in place for it to actually kickstart and, and go. And I think we're going to hear some wonderful success stories about that. So well done to all of the teams, of course, at Slumberjay who've been working tirelessly over the years to, to make sure we're at a position like this. Now, of course, uh, Michael, you're head of Lower 48 and Enterprise IT for ConocoPhillips. And again, you know, we look at a time when it's almost like, you know, one week uh, we were all following plan A and suddenly almost overnight or over the weekend, things had to shift and they had to shift and pivot and move very, very quickly. Talk to me a little bit about the work that you had already put in place that perhaps maybe had you a little bit more prepared for what had happened. Yeah, sure. Um, I would say, you know, some of the, the digital foundation work that we had done over the past few years really was, you know, matured at just the right time to enable us to, to respond well to the pandemic. And the, the kinds of things I'm talking about are, you know, our move to the cloud, digital, digital workstations, virtual workstations, modernizing our application portfolio, all of those things set us up in a good place to enable the workforce really, you know, at a day's notice to go home and continue to run the business without interruption at all. And, and then what we learned from that, I mean, a, a pretty simple example that maybe Daryl you'll appreciate is we were in the process of planning a Skype to Teams migration. And we were about to kick it off the week after the pandemic started. Um, and what, you know, through our normal process, we, we had planned and planned and planned and we're doing a ton of, of OCM work associated with that. Lots of handholding of our users. We wanted to make sure that their experience was seamless moving from one product to the next. And what we ended up doing was once everyone got home, we decided we needed to get on the new platform very quickly. And we did it in a matter of just a couple of weeks. What would have, under normal circumstances, we would have strung out over months and months. And what we learned from that was our, our employee population is much more um, agile and open to change than we give them credit for typically. And so people just rolled with it. They realized that it was a better place they were going to. They were willing to go through some hiccups and some not knowing how everything worked right off the bat. But, you know, so that it's one of those things we want to take away from this is I think, you know, crisis creates focus. And so it, it helps us focus on the things that are really important to us. What's don't over, don't overwork solutions. You know, is there a minimum viable product that can get us 80% of the, the outcome we're after? And then the other piece is that, you know, our people are pretty, uh, pretty open and pretty resilient. And so let's not, you know, even once we get back to whatever the new normal is, let's not go back to our old normal of overworking implementations and get things out there, realize the benefits much quicker. And I think that's a story we're going to hear from, you know, we're hearing it from the industry, I think, but it really comes down to the fact that you said, Michael, you know, people adapted and they adapted not even just in this industry, around the world and all industries. Um, so maybe, you know, they took a little bit of work away from Daryl. Maybe that's not a good thing, huh? But um, <laughs> he's just got more higher work for you guys to do now. But I'm going to say that I'm coming to him in just a minute here. But because um, I, I want to stay with, um, you know, with our, our producers, the key operators for the moment, and then I'm going to, to come on and get the, the tech input into it in a minute. And Kevin, of course, is the vice president of subsurface for Chevron. Again, I suppose at a time when this happens, nobody was prepared for it. No industry could have prepared for it. It was very, you know, unexpected. And it, it resulted in a lot of uncertainty, I think. And again, the immediate reaction of shock that everybody had to adjust to. But again, a company like yourself that had a lot of work done in place. And how did that help you then, you know, shift to the new position you needed to quickly get into? 
Thanks, Etna. So yeah, similar to, uh, to Michael, you know, we had a very similar story where we had kind of started on this transition to being prepared to work more in the cloud. And, uh, you know, uh, by necessity, you know, we had to make the same kind of uh, mid-course correction, right? And, and suddenly people are working in the office in March, and suddenly they're not. And so we definitely were able to leverage off of, uh, you know, having made that, that previous investment, you know, uh, with, with that, I'm speaking more to our, you know, the day-to-day -day operations, right? People getting together, being able to video conference, being able to continue to work. But in the backdrop, we had already embarked on this, you know, journey for digital transformation that was really being driven by the fact that the energy business was not delivering competitive returns, right, with the rest of the S&P 500. And so we have kind of an overarching strategy and ambition that we need to do that, right? And we see digital as one of the key ways to achieve it. And so in part, you know, in parallel with having embarked on a, you know, modernization again of like the office platform for everybody that they could again work collaboratively together, we're also focused on you know, the more uh, high-end workflows, right, that are around exploring and producing and developing our fields. And so that's been a, a major focus for us, you know, over the last year or so. And we were able to leverage off of the office tools that allowed us to continue to collaborate, to continue to progress some of the more, you know, back office, higher-end kind of workflows that we were really focused on. Another thing that uh, has been really, I think, transformational for us, and it's not our great insight at Chevron, I think this is a common insight for many, that the real, you know, huge incremental value comes when you work across silos, right? When you work cross-functionally. And so even within our company, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit that we sometimes, you know, don't talk to one another as seamlessly as we should. You know, maybe the people in subsurface are not talking to their colleagues in wells. They're not talking to their colleagues in facilities engineering. And so this digital transformation for us is really around kind of democratizing, you know, access to the data uh, and then allowing us to put together these collaborative, you know, cross-functional teams and really deliver value across the value chain, right? And so, you know, if an example, if in subsurface, you know, we could improve a drilling outcome by 10%. If we partner with our, our drilling colleagues and maybe even with our facilities engineering colleagues on the midstream, maybe we deliver a 30 or 40% improvement right in that outcome. And so anyway, this necessity of working in this way and having embarked on this journey before COVID hit has really, I think, accelerated our plans. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about the progress and the opportunities that digital will bring. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more of that because I think there was probably a bit of a, an eye-opener for a lot of the companies. And again, and I think now realizing um, how quickly you could adapt, um, I would imagine, you know, there's no going back on this. So everybody's going to be thinking a little bit differently going forward, even though they've been put in this position and uh, they've just had to do it. So it's, it's an exciting time, I think, in many ways. And we'll probably demand a little bit of culture shift from a few people, a few different departments, and indeed from an entire industry, though I think this is what we're hearing. Now, Daryl, I mean, you know, only a few years ago, you would have been right in the heart of this, you know, so um, when you worked in the industry, when you worked for an operator, um, I'm not going to ask you which side you prefer to be on right now, but, um, you know, there you were, and you are now Vice President of Energy, of course, for uh, Microsoft. Talk to me again in terms of, you know, the positioning over the last year, because again, you've been working so closely with all of the, the key players, with all of the partners, making sure that all of this was in place. And I'm sure there were times when you thought it should be moving a little bit faster, or a little bit differently. And I think probably there's been quite a few lessons learned over the last few months for everybody. Yeah, and thank you very much. And you're right, having spent almost 30 years on the other side of the fence and now three years in tech, it, I, I must say that it's been, uh, it's been very, very interesting. And uh, one of the things that Microsoft has been doing is really working hard to over many, many years in advance of the current reality we're facing to, to build a solid foundation for digital transformation and, uh, and really thinking about how we can help. And you know, it's easy to utter those words, but I think that uh, as you heard from uh, Michael and Kevin, COVID uh, has been an accelerator for digital transformation. And uh, I think it's an interesting context that we find ourselves in because when I think about my time back in the industry, 
we went through a period where being big was important versus being small. And I think now we're in a world where being fast is more important than being slow, not without uh, you know, taking care of all of the safety and environmental challenges the industry faces, but pace matters, I guess, is the, the point I would make. And one of the things our CEO, Satya, um, says, uh, has said most recently is that we've seen across all industries, uh, in particular in the energy industry as well, we've seen over the last, over two months, roughly, the first two months of COVID, we've seen roughly two years worth of digital transformation. And that applies to the energy sector, but also other sectors as well. Uh, the pace at which things have been done has been uh, very pleasantly surprising to us, but I think it's also been refreshing for folks who sit inside the industry. And uh, I guess the other thing I would say is, as I think about all that the world is dealing with around its response to COVID-19, the energy sector has been dealing with a lot of things in terms of the price pressures that they're feeling, also thinking through things like the uh, energy transition and thinking about how to continue to make the business more efficient. And digital finds itself in the middle of all of those conversations. And from my standpoint, uh, I guess the last thing I would say is that it is uh, survival of the swiftest. And, uh, and, uh, and, and that matters. And it comes back to this whole business around pace and the challenge the industry faces and our challenge at Microsoft is to figure out how to help the industry in spite of, not because of the challenges that we're facing together, but in spite of the challenges that we're facing together. And what I've seen is that we went from a period where people were very carefully walking to the cloud to a period where people were actually running to the cloud because of the efficiency that it allows businesses to deliver. So I'll leave it at that. Oh, that's good. Or they're on the escalator, whichever way is, is fastest. So, right, so that's right. good. Long may it continue, as you would say. Now, Manish, you've been listening to, to all of this, and um, I know there's lots of it that you're going to agree with. You're managing uh, global managing director for energy resources and manufacturing with IBM. But again, you know, hot off the press or hot off the digital virtual press, you actually have a report in place now that, I mean, has really looked at what has been happening, particularly in the last few months. Perhaps you'll share just a little bit of that with us. And I do know that for many, for all of our viewers, I think that the report is going to be available whereby people can really understand the work that you've been doing and you've translated it, you know, so um, eloquently to, to, you know, tell us exactly what's been going on. So talk to us a little bit about that report and how it fits in over what's been happening in the last few months, Vanish. Yeah, certainly, Edna. Thanks for the opportunity. And, and like you said, totally agree with uh, the comments that came before. Uh, great to hear the examples that uh, Michael and Kevin shared. Uh, what we are seeing, and, and this was captured in, in the report we published last week, we titled it uh, very simply COVID-19 and the future of business. Uh, and, and so that put some of the, the themes we are seeing and start to quantify them. Uh, and then what we articulated in that, and I'll talk about it during the conversation today, uh, five epiphanies that sort of came out of this uh, uh, this research that we did across executives, across industries, uh, with of course also a focus on the energy industry. So uh, consistent with what the examples are and also what Daryl shared, um, what we are seeing is digital transformation has become practically existential. It used to be aspirational, right? Now it's, now it's ex existential, consistent to the point that, that Daryl made and, uh, and the examples shared earlier. Uh, we're also seeing 60% of our clients increase the pace and investments uh, in digital transformation. And I love the example Michael shared, planning, 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 and then when you have to rip the bandaid, you move forward. And that's, that's really what we're seeing. 65% of companies are completing initiatives that encountered resistance before, right? Like they say, never waste a good crisis, at the same time, great opportunity uh, to be able to drive it. Now, in the energy industry, of course, the big priority is, uh, is resilience, right? As, as, as true across many other industries, we're seeing a big focus on what we are describing as extreme automation, of course, remote, uh, supporting remote operations like Rajiv mentioned, <coughs> but also a, a, a focus on cybersecurity. The more you move remote, naturally, uh, that's a big topic that comes in. And as Daryl pointed out, an accelerated journey to cloud, right? Uh, we'll speak about hybrid cloud a bit later. <clears throat> the, the big focus in the industry, of course, is to drive costs down, to drive efficiency, safety, working capital, 
and support the energy uh, transition. Uh, but the epiphany here, the second epiphany here, consistent with the pace of digital transformation, is this idea that the human element has taken a backseat. <clears throat> so the focus is on cost, operating safely, operating remotely, but the focus on employee retention, employee satisfaction coming out from digital, the focus on, of course, the upstream oil and gas industry may or may not identify with this topic of customer service. That has also shifted. So we can only hope that as, this, as we sort of start to come out of this crisis, the pivot comes back to include the human element that has taken a backseat because obviously everybody was, was actively responding to the crisis. So a lot of great takeaways there. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because I would imagine, you know, it's, it's great to have all the data. It's great to have all the analytics, but uh, you do need the creativity and the ingenuity of the people who have built this industry. And I think uh, one can't really exist without the other in the long term. It might work for short term, but it's not going to, to get us through to um, a much longer, uh, more sustainable future without a doubt. Um, Rajiv, come back to me a little bit in terms of what you were saying, and we've heard it there even, you know, from Daryl and Manesh to the, the escalator to digital. I mean, any of the, the, the doubters that were in place that perhaps were not as fast to adapt to digital, you've even said that you saw like maybe 65% of companies really completing that journey and making sure it was in place. But talk to me about some of the, the key partnerships that have been in place that you saw really coming to the fore, I suppose, and are now driving this digital transformation. Yeah, great. I think, you know, if, if we just go back a little bit, you know, when we started our digital transformation journey um, back in 2014, we realized that we can't get there without partnerships. So um, we, we established a, a technology innovation center in Silicon Valley to really understand the landscape of partners that can transform our industry. So that was back before even the, the previous downturn. We are in the second downturn since, since we established that innovation center in Silicon Valley. So that's when we established. And we, in, that, in that process, we learned a lot about how, what technologies can apply to our industry and who are the partners we can work, work with in terms of security, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of automation, et cetera. And the other thing we realize is, is one thing is obviously the digital expertise. The other thing we do need is, is sort of combining that with our domain knowledge, which, which obviously we've been in the industry for many decades. That's how we can really bring that value to market to realize the goals of our customers in terms of reducing lifting cost, uh, improving time to market for their oil, or uh, or reducing, you know, the time to uh, to discover, and uh, and so we we sort of then with that thinking we created what we call our Delphi, which is sort of the environment to uh, that connects uh, all these different silos, as Kevin put it, into into one seamless. Uh, uh, platform, uh, for want of a better word. And one of the early examples we saw of the cloud and Delphi working together very well was actually with Woodside in, back in Australia, where, where it cut their, you know, we, we deployed these solutions and cut their field event planning process from, from 18 months to eight days. So not a small amount of time saving there, obviously, you know, and you can imagine the impact of time to first guess uh, in, in their case. And then, of course, the other thing we also came, came across was, was data. Data, as you might have read in many articles today, is, is the new oil, as, as some people in the industry call it. And, and we thought putting this data together in one, um, I would say, common uh, standard across the industry would have huge value for all of us, because that would enable us to then, then be able to collaborate more seamlessly, uh, break down all the different silos. And, and that was a, one of the first things we, we then decided as we were developing this data ecosystem along with, with the Delphi environment. We said we will open source the data ecosystem to the industry to enable more innovation and more collaboration. So we did that and that has obviously 
opened up a huge, uh, I would say, number of companies who are now using this data ecosystem to create their own applications and also enabling our customers to create their own proprietary applications on, on the cloud. Another, an example of that is, is really our collaboration with the Egyptian government. We created what we call the National Upstream Gateway. Uh, this allows them to, to integrate all the data that is available, subsurface, surface, third-party reports into, into one platform and then, and then companies who are bidding for exploration acreage in Egypt can use that to seamlessly uh, view the data, uh, process it to, to, to come up with a, with a proposal for, for accessing the reserves in Egypt. So really data, I think partnerships and, and creating an environment that connects the different workflows of the industries is, has been our approach to digital transformation for the industry. Daryl, come in on this one, and you have talked earlier there about the survival of the swiftest, but just as Rajiv is talking about there, you know, it's also about efficiency, it's about, you know, accuracy, reliability, it, 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 it just brings together, I think, a, a whole new ecosystem that just, in many ways, makes the operator's life a lot easier. You know, talk to me about some of the work that, you know, you, perhaps as an industry player back in the day, I mean, you're still an industry player, but being on the other side, so to speak that you knew that needed to happen perhaps and has taken a while and now you can really see the advantages of this as you can roll out you know, a full digital suite. Yeah, and I would say a couple of things. The first one is that one of my big observations uh, when I was in the industry, directly in the industry, was that uh, we had an affection for data. The industry loves data. I was started my career 30 years ago as a geophysicist and so there was nothing like data. And, I think there's still a deep love affection inside the industry for data. But one of the things I observed toward the end of my career when I was running an oil business down in Angola was that we were capturing data, but we were using very little of it to inform business decisions. And I think the industry probably uses five to 10% of the data that it has access to historically. But there's a huge opportunity to ingest and leverage that data to help drive business decisions in a more uh, informative way. And, uh, and I think that's a big opportunity that uh, I saw. And I also think that's a big opportunity that uh, Microsoft sees to be candid. And just building on, on, on some of what Rajiv said, we really feel like the future is all about partnerships. And uh, it's about every company bringing their strengths to a relationship. It's not about a Microsoft trying to figure out how to become an oil and gas company or oil field services company, but it's around how do we bring our strengths to the table around data, data management, data protection uh, and integrity, and data analytics and insights to the table to help intersect that with, uh, with the industry. I, and I guess the last thing I would say is I've just not found myself in a situation um, where I found uh, companies like Schlumberger and Chevron and ConocoPhillips coming together with a Microsoft to work on some of the tough challenges that the industry is facing and make things worse. My experience has been thus far is when we come together, we only make things better when we play to our strengths and bring those strengths, uh, those strengths to the table. And indeed, Manish, I'm sure you know there's a similar tale to be had from. IBM, I mean, exactly, making things better. That's, that's very much the reason I would imagine that you would even embark on a journey like this. But you also mentioned earlier, um, Manish, you know, the concept of cybersecurity and how that is now so important and obviously, you know, uppermost in everybody's mind. But talk to me again about that, the value of that data. And again, probably the bigger value of what you can do with that data. And indeed, you know, how IBM has actually managed to turn that round into something that adds value to everybody. Yeah, and I think the, uh, you know, the, we've been talking about silos, uh, right, and, and untapped data. So if you step back and see, you know, what we're trying to do with the data is, of course, try to enable uh, what we all think of as intelligent workflows, right? So to, to take data through to insight and enable action by, by professionals in the industry, uh, of course, to enable automation, but also to augment uh, professionals making business decisions, right, as part of a, a workflow. And that really comes down to, to this theme of, uh, of what we call the journey to AI, right, 
So you have to make sure that you have the right data repository, you have the right governance, you have the right collection, uh, and then be able to, to, to be able to, to serve up that data, not as data by itself, as raw data, but to deliver the insight uh, as someone makes, makes a business decision. So, so again, think of it as, as 80 to 90% of the effort actually that we think of as AI is really in, in making sure the data is collected, governed, managed, et cetera. That seems like grunt work, but it's actually super critical as, as some of the effort that Rajiv uh, from Shambhaje and various other operators have come together in OSTU, right? That foundation is critical to be able to deliver that. At the end, we see AI delivering $16 trillion of productivity in the economy, uh, almost, uh, uh, I'd say, a, a 20th or, or a 10th maybe is, is for the energy industry, right? Uh, but that, that AI and the productivity benefits will never come around. We think, again, of the algorithms, all this, the creativity that goes in, but it really is the data that has to be collected, governed, and managed in, in the sense we actually have coined this phrase uh, those in the tech industry think of it as, as DevOps, right? Which is how do you develop and operate your applications? We think of it as, as data ops. How do you govern and manage and deliver data and algorithms in, in a scale and a managed way? Thank you. And I'll come back to more of that in just a minute. Now, Kevin, when we look at the partnerships that are in place, you know, the partnership with you and Slumberger and the wider partnership, you know, with the technical players within this as well. A lot of this work, you know, you, you might have considered maybe once doing on your own and maybe you did parts of it. But I would think, again, when we talked about silos, when you look back on in the industry, a lot of this you probably tried to do on your own in terms of maybe then standing back and going, this is maybe a waste of time, effort, energy, resources, whatever. Talk to me about the value that a partnership with, you know, a company like Slumberjay brings to your organization. Yeah, thanks, Etna. So yeah, very much, you know, kind of building on, on Daryl's point, you know, we view it as you bring the strengths, right, of the different partners together, and you've got to move to the kind of the win-win-win, right? In the case of our, our three-way partnership with Microsoft and Schlumberger, it's not just a win-win, it's a win-win-win. And, uh, you know, that might sound naive, but actually, again, my experience is like Daryl's, it's working very well, right? We're, we're not competing with one another. We're bringing, our, we're bringing our strengths together, right? And, uh, you know, your question on things we've done in the past that maybe didn't go so well, uh, you know, I'd point back to the example of the data, right? And, and the fact that we do have this OSDU now that's getting a lot of support across the industry, you know, that wasn't our forte, right? Necessarily to be focused on a data infrastructure, data infrastructure, excuse me, and, and systems of record and all those kind of things. And so again, by, by leveraging and being humble, right? I think this is really about being humble as well. That, um, you know, all of us, all of our respective companies, I know we're proud employees and we're proud of our technology, right? And that's kind of in our DNA. And I think that we've gotten better, uh, especially the shale revolution, I think at Chevron has made us much better at recognizing there's a lot of good things that are done outside of our, our walls, our gates, if you will. And so I think it was kind of that humbleness, you know, was kind of a starting point. And then really looking for these win, 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 you know, kind of situations where we're seeing and achieving great success, right? Where we can leverage again off of the Schlumberger strengths in maybe software development, Microsoft's strengths in the cloud and cybersecurity, and Chevron's strengths around differentiated, you know, workflows that are related to understanding the subsurface. And so, um, you know, we're, we're all in on this model and, uh, you know, plan to replicate it, uh, you know, hopefully again and again in other areas of our business. Now, Michael, when we look at, you know, a similar situation, I'm sure at ConocoPhillips, you know, I think we, we've got to look at the fact that, you know, you're, you're an energy producer, you're an oil and gas producer. This is what you do, you know, so well, and like all the international oil companies in that. But at the same time, Yes, we talk about the silos that have been placed. We talk about the sharing of information and actually bringing it to a level where you're embracing a partnership that makes what you do probably a lot more efficient and, and lets you focus and concentrate on you know, the, the task at hand, which is producing energy for the world. Yeah, and so, you know, Rajiv hit on it on the, in the intro a little bit and the work that we've been doing with them and how, 
so we we set off a few years ago on a uh, what started out as just a soft a software change for our our subsurface software suite we actually had a mixed set of tools we were looking to to get rid of one and consolidate on to to Schlumberger Patrell um, and so it, it originally it was purely a technical software change out but what we learned pretty quickly was that we had an opportunity to really transform the way our geoscience staff works globally. And so we took a step back and really looked at it as a transformation opportunity. Um, and that was when we reached out and engaged with Schlumberger and brought them in for, you know, the, not only the technical expertise of their product, but their familiarity with what has worked and hasn't worked across the industry and with other peer companies. And so we really transformed that project into, you know, a holistic looking at the platform, the software, the data, so, you know, cleaning up the data we have, putting governance around going forward so that, you know, geoscience staff always have access to the right data quickly. Um, you know, the, the Manish referenced earlier that, you know, we, I think we look for, you know, 5% of the data we use, or maybe that was Daryl that mentioned that, we use 5% of the data we have access to. But I think we would also argue then that traditionally our geoscience staff spend about 80% of their time looking for that 5% of the data to actually do the work, the interpretation work. And so we, we stepped back and really looked at an opportunity to change all of that, look at the workflows, and we're kind of on the tail end now. By the end of this year, we'll be at 100% adoption and rollout of the tool usage, the data, governance, the cleanup, all of it. And really, the so as I mentioned, the key to success for us, we feel, was the partnership with Schlumberger and bringing in their expertise. And then the key to actually making that partnership work the way we wanted was getting the right level of, of buy-in, sponsorship, participation in the leadership in both companies. And so we actually, just two hours ago this morning, we had our quarterly project update to the sponsors. And our sponsors, we have two internal executive sponsors who are our CIO, my boss, and then also the president of Exploration Subsurface for ConocoPhillips. And then Schlumberger's Trig Bay Randon is also a member of our steering team and so it's that, that joint ownership of a positive outcome of this project. And so that, you know, that leads to them providing the resources we need. Those resources have been consistent throughout the project. We're not seeing high turnover. And then um, back earlier to the comments around the pandemic response, you know, that project was in the middle of, of the biggest go lives in February and March when we flipped the switch and started working from home. And that team pivoted overnight really to delivering, you know, really engaged in-person training around the world at our different locations to then switching to a fully online delivery model of training and did it without skipping a beat. Um, and then what we found in the, you know, we did post-training um, surveys to get feedback and we actually got higher satisfaction rating from the online training than we did from the in-person training. So just all in all, I mean, the transition, you know, a big transformational project that's really the biggest change we've introduced to our G&G staff in 20 years in the company. Um, and to deliver it in the timescales we set out and then transition and not miss a beat during the pandemic has just been huge for us. And, and really, we chalk it all up to the relationship. And indeed, I think that concept of partnerships, and I know from Slumberjay that is something that's always been, you know, at the very, very heart of what you always talked about and what you've done. And to be able to, you know, hear key partners now telling you what works and how things got escalated to a, to a degree that, you know, it wouldn't have happened, I guess, without all of that being in place. I mean, this is so good for you, Rajiv, but when you look even at your wider partnerships with so many other players in the industry, and I guess to have this information fed back to you and to know where the frustrations are, and you know you can actually find the solutions to that. Again, I mean, it must be very heartening for you, for all your team, to make sure that you're on the right track to do this, because there's obviously a lot more to be done in the industry. And that concept, I think, of people coming on board now, the shift that that is going to make, and I think that the swiftness is Daryl's word is, it's going to probably put a little bit more pressure on you and the team to, you know, keep the speed up and to keep uh, the productivity level going. Uh, I'll wait to see, hear what's next later on before we sign off. But how are you responding to all of that at the moment? Because it must be keeping you all very busy. Yeah, you know, uh, when we, um, 
it's actually great to hear the, the feedback from, from Michael and Kevin because, because you know, when we started on this journey, I don't think we had it all figured out. It was transformational. I mean, let me, let's all be honest. We don't know how it's going to play out in the future. We don't, we hadn't got it all figured out how, how we're going to, let's say, transform the industry and how we're going to make money along the way, of course, as, 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 a, as, a, as a corporation. And, and we are obviously learning as we go along. So it's obviously very good to get that feedback from, from yourselves, Kevin and Michael, that, that we seem to be on the right path. But like, like I said earlier, what we realized also uh, along the way is, is, is partnerships is key and, and giving access to, to the wider world around this whole concept of data and being able to maximize the benefit of digital uh, was going to be critical. So, which is where where the you know the uh, the IBM collaboration came in. Uh, obviously, when we talk about about uh, the cloud and the digital transformation, only a few countries have access have you know public cloud availability, if you want to call it that. And then moving to the world where where there's data residency challenges in Russia, China, and many countries in the Middle East, we need another solution, which could enable us to work with with multiple or hybrid cloud providers or multiple cloud providers and, and sort of Red Hat collaboration enable that. So going forward, we thought, yeah, we, we've figured out that data is important. We figured out that partnerships are important, but what we also wanted to figure out was how can we give access to everyone to be in, enable the industry to become more competitive in the future. And as, as all of you mentioned, the challenge is that we as an industry have to be more competitive and, and digital transformation is one way to do it, but it needs to be available to everybody to do. And that is one thing. And the other thing uh, in terms of partnerships, we wanted to ensure that people can collaborate. So so a whole strategy of being open with the data ecosystem, I think that enabled a lot of workflows that, that probably couldn't have been done before. A lot of our customers are now developing their own workflows on, on the environment uh, allows our competitors to develop get a workflows on on this common environment as well and and that's really at the end of the day is going to be something that benefits the industry and in turn will benefit the supply chain like all it will indeed Rajiv just if I can pull you back a little bit on you know when we look at you know the openness concept and you know even at the SIS forum and I've had the pleasure to be there with you and to you know see many of these great products being unveiled as well but surely there there must have been a time when you know, people probably gave you a, a second take and talked about this concept of openness as in, you know, will the industry buy into it? Can it work? You know, what were the risks to be taken? And I'm sure all of that, of course, you took into consideration. But talk to us a little bit more about, you know, where you, where you began that journey and, and actually where it's come to, because I know you've addressed all of these issues. Yeah, so actually, when we started developing this, this environment which which breaks down all these silos that Kevin was talking about, obviously we realized at that time that bringing a consistency of the data was going to be very important in terms of uh, application development. And initially our thought was that uh, we will keep this data ecosystem to ourselves because it's something that we spent five years and and you know hundreds and thousands of man hours developing. But when we started interacting with our industry partners and our customers, we realized that by trying to be inclusive, we were not going to help the industry, nor were we going to help ourselves. So at some time, a couple of years ago, we, we came to the conclusion that yes, I think openness is going to be important uh, for the industry to be competitive. And that's when we made the decision to, to open source the data ecosystem that we developed I think it took us about five years to get to where we were when we decided to open source it. So a lot of man hours went into it, but I think it's, it's been very beneficial for the industry because since we open source the data ecosystem, uh, I think the number of conversations we've had with customers has increased, I would say hundredfold almost, because of course it was helped by COVID uh, to some extent, but also the fact that now that it's open, we can all, talk about digital transformation issues very, very openly and, and see how we can together with our partners transform the way the industry operates. And that, that was a, 
It is a big decision for us because it was five years of R&D that went into it. But I think it's been great for us in terms of the, uh, the conversations we're having and which quite a few of them obviously lead to sales of our digital solutions for, for ourselves. Manish, talk to me a bit about, you know, the, the hybrid cloud and indeed a follow on to what Rajiv is talking about there in openness, because you all had to come into this and, and you all had to embrace it. And, and again, it was, you know, very new elements indeed and new ways of thinking for everybody. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, sort of two things come together here, exactly as you pointed out, openness and, and hybrid cloud. Uh, so we we as IBM made a, a big bet on the concept of openness. In fact, we made a, I would simply call a $34 billion bet on openness acquiring Red Hat. Uh, and now, you know, IBM and Red Hat combined has the largest number of developers uh, in the in the open source ecosystem. In fact, that's measured by by the number of folks registered on Microsoft's GitHub, right? That's that's the measurement mechanism. Uh, but the, the fundamental reason we acquired Red Hat was twofold. One is that we believe openness is key because none of us can hire all the developers, all the folks that need to drive the innovation uh, that we all need in our respective spheres and industries. So how do you get the, so, so what we acquired Red Hat for one principal reason was the culture of being able to participate in, in this kind of an innovation openness uh, based network. Uh, and, and that cultural change, I think, is, is critical. So the way we've approached uh, OSDU, and, and this, this connects back to the topic of hybrid cloud, is we're taking the view that, and, and, and we're seeing clear evidence of that, that the future of, of the journey to cloud will be a destination which is hybrid cloud, which is, which is the ability to make those decisions as to whether you'll keep the data and keep the applications on premise in some cases, in strategic cases, or regulatory reasons, or, or move some applications to, of course, public cloud, move some applications and capabilities to the edge. In some cases, it makes sense to move the analytics and capabilities to where the data resides and, and where the data has been produced. So if you look at all these choices, uh, and of course, uh, you look at the fact that there are multiple regulatory environments around the world, the layer that orchestrates these applications in, in a uniform way is what we refer to uh, as, as hybrid cloud. So the way we, we thought of as, as OSTU is not only bring it to PIB uh, and public cloud, but put this layer of Red Hat OpenShift on top of it so that companies had the choices to say, what, when do I bring in a flexible approach or flexible speed? Do I have a concern around privacy and security? or regulatory reasons. And so that flexibility layer is, is how we've approached the partnership also with, uh, with Schlumberger as in us coming together to launch the first hybrid cloud avatar of OSDU, taking that open source innovation, making it available, uh, aligned with, uh, with choices that companies make for that flexibility. So not only is this of course partnership around OSDU, but then also the application layer uh, which has the innovation from Schlumberger, which is Delphi, making OSD available as well as Delphi available uh, on this hybrid cloud platform uh, that can sit across any infrastructure choices that a company may have. Um, Daryl, if I may ask you, um, how, just how safe is the cloud? Because I, I moderate so many conferences and this is an issue that will come up and there might be a hesitancy among people. And indeed that same concept of openness and it tends to perhaps scare people a little bit when they're beginning to, to hear even the language that's around it because it's new language in this industry. But safety, security, cybersecurity, all of that has to be absolutely paramount in terms of helping people to make that decision and to buy into the concept of openness and digitalization. Yeah, Edna, I would say, in, and I'll be really brief, it's uh, this trust and safety of the cloud and the infrastructure is what gives us um, our license to operate. It is, it is what we worry about the most. Just as uh, the oil and gas industry in particular worries about uh, uh, the risk of multiple fatalities, for example, a big environmental risk around their business and how to mitigate those. The thing that keeps us up at night is making sure that we are good stewards and protective stewards of, uh, of data. And so the trust of our platform, the integrity of our platform, 
and the uh, ability of us, of our company to protect data is, uh, is paramount to building enduring relationships for the industry. So it is our core priority. Uh, Michael, talk to me about as, you know, as an operator, as a producer, you know, your core competency is, is clearly not going to be in, you know, the, the technical side of it. You, you, you produce oil, you know, you drill it out of the ground, you know, the oil and gas like everybody else. Uh, there's got to be areas where you can shine and bringing, you know, players into and bringing partners into actually making sure that you can do that more efficiently clearly gives you and your people um, the engineers, the scientists, everybody involved gives them more time to get on with doing the job at hand that you have to do. In terms of openness, I mean, again, new language for this industry when you look back only just a few years ago, and you both talked about silos, but the openness that has come about with partnerships just like this, it's also permeated, I think, throughout the industry in many different ways. And what difference is that making to your company? Yeah, so when I think about openness in our industry, you know, the term may be new, but I don't think the concept is foreign. You know, we've, in the industry, we've partnered with each other and collaborated on the things that kind of mattered to the survival of the industry, whether it's, you know, partnering up and creating joint ventures on mega projects to, to spread the risk, or it's partnering up on safety or environmental aspects. Thing, you know, there are things that we have to do as an industry to survive and it doesn't benefit if, you know, if I do, we do it well and, and Kevin and his team don't, that's, that's just not how it works on some of those foundational things. And so, and I think we've gotten to the place where data and some of these foundational technical things are in that same place now. And it just benefits us to collaborate, bring the industry expertise together, the external partners with, you know, service providers and tech companies and bring it all together, help us solve some of these foundational items. And then, as you said, Ed, Ned, let us, let our engineers focus on the things that are truly differentiating and move the needle for our company. So that, that's how we think about the openness and the, the, the opportunities that it brings. Kevin, I see you agreeing with that, nodding your head there. So there's some of that that's obviously resonating and you can um, you know, feel the same concept. And again, when we look at that openness, I mean, how do you get everybody on board and make sure that they're there and committed to it? Yeah, so, so I mean, we've, again, like Michael, very similar, I guess, experience. You know, we, we, you know it isn't so uh, foreign to us. You know, we have a history of having collaborated effectively in certain areas of the industry. And, you know, now we're doing it more right around the data and the digital transformation piece. And so, um, you know, I feel like uh, it hasn't been so hard, you know, we, we certainly are very careful about cybersecurity issues, right? And we leverage for sure off of our partners like Schlumberger and Microsoft, right? And, and to be, you know, blunt or straightforward, right? Our contracts, you know, talk about, you know, expectations around cybersecurity. Uh, but we have our own, you know, internal expertise in that area as well, right? So again, I see it as kind of a partnership. It's not, like we're just farming out, you know, that we're saying, um, you know, we expect Microsoft or Schlumberger to manage this fully for us. You know, we expect them to meet certain expectations. Uh, and at the same time, you know, we feel like we have a, a part to play as well. And so, uh, again, I think the openness uh, is something that we're maybe embracing more fully uh, in this digital space. But again, we've done it before, in particular around safety, right? The industry's got a long history of being very collaborative and you know there's no reason for chevron to have a proprietary safety technology that you know avoids having a serious incident in the industry so you know i see us maybe getting more comfortable you know we, we talk about within chevron our operational excellence journey right where safety is just it's just like part of our dna we don't even think about it and we're probably not that far along on the digital journey, but we're on that journey, right? To the point where this openness concept, I don't think is gonna be foreign to us at all uh, in the not too distant future. You know, based on the comments that we're accelerating by, you know, up to an order of magnitude perhaps in how fast we're making this transition based on the necessity of COVID, you know, driving our business. And indeed you're so right on the safety issue. There's no point in, and you've been safety if you're, you know, partner and your companion that you're working with or your supplier or your services people are not safe. So if those standards are not there, it doesn't, it doesn't really help. 
And I suppose, Rajiv, when you know, we look at the industry and we look at the work, you know, that um, OSDU has put together, and I think what 164 companies are more involved in that and Slumberjay paying, you know, a great role in that. I think that connectivity of the industry talking together, and I think people, you know, buying into this, it must be having, you know, great results in terms of efficiency, in terms of productivity. And I think when people, we hear these stories and you begin to see the productivity and the efficiency that's been put in place, it really only means that more people are gonna come on this journey. No, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, right now the OSDU has agreement, I would say in terms of the data standardization, primarily for subsurface data. Um, so data that Kevin and Michael look at every day, but there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of standing, standardizing the drilling data, the production data, and once you once you do that, you know we open up a host of new possibilities uh, around operational data, as I call it. And once you standardize the operational data, you open a host of new possibilities in terms of edge. And I think you know we've talked for the last hour almost on, on cloud and how cloud's gonna enable efficiency going forward. But, but that's when you start looking at the edge and the field operations and edge intelligence, that's gonna open a whole new area of opportunity for the industry. And I think it, it won't be long before the industry will agree on a, on a standardized ecosystem for, for production data, drilling data, because once we are there, we really open up everything for everyone to collaborate and, and make a material difference to the future for our industry to remain competitive as we go through the energy transition. And hold that because I'm going to come back to you for a closing word in a minute. I know our hour has fled by, but just before I let everybody go, um, and I love it, life on the edge is where we're like, you know, sort of almost concluding this because it's a great, it's a great launching pad for the next. But if I could just have you know, a few closing words from you, Daryl, when I think about it, when you look at this, you know, energy transition, when you look at the digitalization, the role that it's played in, what do you think is the absolute most important thing that can be got from cooperation, openness, and this collaboration that has happened and has speeded up in the last year? Yeah, I would say, I would say three things. The first thing is just putting an exclamation point on the conversation we've been having, openness always wins. Openness wins and closed loses. And there was a time when the industry was closed and that has not the case, that is not the case anymore. So openness always wins. The second thing I would say is that the future, whether it's around digital transformation or the energy transition, is all about partnerships. Partnerships between the companies that are a part of this panel, partnerships with startups and others, and frankly, partnerships with other industries. There are lots of things that we can learn from healthcare, the industry, energy industry can learn from healthcare or financial services or even retail around their businesses. And then the last thing I would say is it's all about relationship. It's about relationship to data and making sure it's healthy and that people, as Michael alluded to, aren't spending most of their time looking for data, but they're spending most of their time analyzing it and using it. And it's about a relationship with the industry. And that's why Microsoft has someone like me on their team to help create a relationship with the industry that can help hopefully be transformational. And that's what everybody wants to see. Ultimately, that's what needs to come out of it. Michael, when you look at the value that this can bring and how it can transform the industry, what do you think is the most important? And perhaps what does everybody need to be doing now? Yeah, so I guess I, and I, I think about two things. So one is, we talk a lot about innovation, but I, I talk about focused innovation. So back to that, you know, one of the things we took away from the pandemic was getting really focused on what matters and what moves the needle. And so I think focused innovation, not playing with bright, shiny objects everywhere, but focusing on the things that could make a difference and then accelerated adoption. So being able to spot where we have wins and then rapidly scale those things and realize the benefits of those quickly. And so part of that is cultural, at least for us, um, you know, and shifting to a culture that rewards adoption versus just invention and innovation. So getting away from that, you know, kind of not invented here type of response to things. And if something works really well and delivers benefits in one location, let's make it so that we can scale that quickly and realize those across the globe. Indeed. Manish, again, that's, you know, cooperation, collaboration. It's, it's, 
It's all part of a wider ecosystem, which I know you embrace so clearly. The difference that it's going to make and what do people need? What does the industry need to do now? What's the next step? Yeah, so, so I think the, the big topic as we're seeing this acceleration uh, is uh, of digital transformation is this idea of placing big bets. Uh, each company needs to consider where they place big bets, where do you focus, uh, to, to pick up on Michael's point. That becomes important. That allows uh, innovation to scale and become embedded into, into how people work. That's, that's a key point. Uh, the second point, I think, is, is thinking back to this idea of the human element. Uh, we're doing this for a purpose. We're doing this to augment and raise the efficiency of our workforce, as well as in, interact in, in a value chain, in an ecosystem. Uh, so the human element should, needs to come back as we, as we emerge, that, that to be embedded into these big bets, into these platforms that companies will establish for themselves or for their customers or partners. And I think the, the third topic sort of bringing together this idea of ecosystem is, is the way we think of, of innovation is what is the minimum viable ecosystem to create change? And that brings parties from different vantage points. Our, our industry, oil and gas is no longer referred to as, as oil and gas, it's referred to as energy, which means we are conflating, converging, uh, clashing with with many other segments. So that minimum viable ecosystem to bring together this change becomes important on platform and keeping the human in mind. Yeah, absolutely essential because I think you can't really do one without the other and it has to, to build in sustainability, you know, a more holistic sustainability. That's what it has to happen. Kevin, um, you know, again, looking at the, the concept of openness, looking at how far we've come, there, there's no turning back. There's, I mean, everybody really has to keep going forward in this journey is that what do we think? Yeah, absolutely, right? And, and we've been building competency, you know, over the last, you know, year in particular, as we've uh, started working with partners like Schlumberger and Microsoft, you know, in this new way, and, um, you know, using more agile, you know, software development approaches, more of that MVP approach. And so, you know, we didn't hire, you know, hundreds of consultants to come help us do this. You know, we are working with our key partners, we're building some fluency and some competency. And it's just becoming the way that we work, right? And so we're getting to the point now where there's enough internal expertise that we can stand up a new agile release train, right? That might be working on a particular element of our subsurface workflows. And there's enough expertise and experience around them, uh, having worked with Microsoft and Schlumberger and others, that we can do that. And so, yeah, I think absolutely, uh, Etna, you and I talked the other day, the train has left the station. You know, we're all on board uh, with this transformation. And it's, it's beyond the technology though, right? It's the culture. And so again, I think Michael made some comments along those lines that I'd like to reiterate that, you know, we recognized, you know, looking in the mirror that we had to change ourselves, right? In the way that we worked. And so I would say we have almost an equal focus on the cultural piece as we do on the technology piece, right? Because you can't have one without the other, I think, and be successful. And so we're working on getting people more comfortable in working with this uh, MVP mindset. We're getting people much more comfortable working in an open environment. And then we're leveraging this great technology from partners like Schlumberger and Microsoft. And so I'm really excited uh, about the future. And my experience is our employees that have worked in this new way are also very excited. So it gets back to the human element. They actually find work more satisfying to work in this way than they did before. So I do think we can bring the human piece along. It's not an add-on, it actually is complementary to the way we want to work. Indeed, and it, it is, I think it also demonstrates what you know a dynamic time it is in the industry. But Rajiv, to you and indeed to all your team, the great work you've done, I mean, you know, this must, you know, it, it, it's just for you to look back and think we're doing it right. We set out on a journey and we're beginning to really see the benefits from that. But just wrap it up for me, if you would, and what's next for, all of the team when we look at the whole kind of digitalization concept, when we look at the openness, when we look at your journey, it's only going to get better, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if I had to summarize, I would say, we're only scratching the surface right now. There's a lot more to be done, a lot more to be done. And, you know, Daryl talked about, about partnerships. We have to use the, the combined intelligence of everyone on this planet to make this industry competitive. The, the partners will be enabled by openness, of course, because that's how we, we can 
collaborate more seamlessly. Um, and then the data liberation, I think making sure the data is easy to access. And like everyone said on this call, we spend more time putting data together than actually analyzing the data. So getting that out of the way is gonna improve the productivity of our industry so much more um, that we'll be able to really make a big difference to, to our end customers, which is all of us, all the people who, who consume energy and every, every day. And I think one thing I'd like to, to close with, I would say is, is what we do need to do is, is, to, is to scale and to scale with speed. And that's really what I want to remember for everyone is we need to you know, move quickly and realize the benefits that the world of digital can bring us to, to make our industry more competitive. So scale with speed. I think that's speed. Yes, even as Kevin was saying, the train left the station. I think the rocket has just taken off from the, the launch pad, so to speak. So it's, um, it's exciting to hear that. And it's an exciting time, I think, for all of you in your industry, particularly with the expertise that you bring to this. And I really want to talk to you. There's loads more I know we could have loved to talk to. This is why we need to get back to a real conference. And uh, we will, we will, we will. I know we will. Um, but for Michael, Kevin, Manish, uh, Daryl, and to Rajiv, I want to just thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for your contribution to this conversation, talking about the concept of partnership and openness, and indeed the great work I think that the industry is managing to do. Thank you. Thank you. So that's all from Ethno and our panel today. Thank you for listening and I hope you found it interesting. To make sure you're always up to date with the latest editions of Living Digital, please click the button to subscribe to the series. And of course, to learn more about AI, data management and other digital transformation technology for the energy industry from Schlumberger, visit our digital solutions website at www.software.slb.com. So that's all from me. Thanks again for listening and goodbye.